Hello to everybody who still doesn't like Big Macs. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard coming at you. From the Earwolf New York studio during a very strange week. I hope everybody is safe and healthy out there. Um, I took a subway here. You hear me talk about it in the course of the call, but New York is like a ghost town. I think a lot of us out there are feeling like that. And uh, just genuinely, I feel very connected to the listeners to the show. I've met so many of you guys, and uh, I hope everybody's just doing well. And uh, we we've... I've bought some equipment so I can do the show from home if things get bad. And I just want to say, not to be self-important, but people might be quarantined right now. People might not be talking to too many other humans, and I really hope that this show allows you to continue to feel like you get to have some conversation and some perspective and all that. And it makes me, uh, you know, one of the silver linings of a very tough time is it makes me feel very proud of, of this show. So thank you for that. For anybody wondering about Beautiful Canonymous, we don't know if it's still on. It's mid-May. We're waiting to hear... If the country and the city um, are are allowing gatherings of that size, let alone the venue, uh, the Bell House in Brooklyn where most of the shows are taking place. So when we know, you'll know. And I hope we still get to do it. And if we don't, because we all got to stay safe, that's fine too. Anyway, this call you're about to hear I think is a really good perspective. And, and it landed in our laps. I'm talking to you on Friday, March 13th. We're putting it out Tuesday. You're listening to this on the Tuesday right after, if you download the day it came out. We got a voicemail. Turns out it's from a longtime listener who moved to China six months ago. So the first half of this call, I think, is an extraordinarily eye-opening and human look at someone who was there in China as all of this coronavirus stuff started. And even most importantly for, I think, a lot of us to hear in the States, someone who is now a month or so ahead of the curve and who can tell us how the hysteria has died down, what things have settled into, how people are remaining safe, but still maybe getting back to some some normalcy in their lives. And that felt to me like a very positive thing to hear. The second half of the call, I will say, is one of the great love stories we've ever heard on this show. Uh, just a true, I start to point it out, a, a story that if true love is real, this story will be the proof of it. So the first half, I think, is very topical. Second half is very timeless. That's a combo that I think is pretty cool. Also want to say, and we mentioned this during the course of the call, there are things going on in China that that really bother me, whether that's hearing that there's concentration camps, whether that's everything that happened in Hong Kong, whether that's cyber warfare, whatever that is. I I don't ask those questions because as the caller mentions, he needs to be very respectful of what he says on a phone line in China. So if you're listening going, how could you not ask about that? It was for the actual literal safety of the caller. Enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? <laughs> uh, it happens like this, huh? That sounded awfully sinister. <laughs> no, I guess I just didn't know what to expect. <laughs> that How feels like doing, a real movie moment, like, so it happens like this. Like, that feels like a, like a movie where, like, uh federal agent's been tracking some killer and then they finally face off in some in some dark corner so that, so it happens like this yeah yeah i mean that um uh i mean not to veer into hyperbole but things have been pretty crazy here lately so it, i don't know i well, guess maybe i'm just in that frame of mind Explain that because I should mention. So this is a voicemail call, which we do once in a blue moon. And I know I know very little about. I was just told they were going to connect you to somebody in an interesting situation, but I know very little about it. So when you say things are crazy here, what does that mean? Uh, well, I am. Uh, I'm in China. I moved here about six months ago. <laughs> oh, 
And uh, <laughs> so I, I moved from the States. And um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not as crazy here as it was a couple weeks ago. It's actually quite surreal to see things unfold in the rest of the world um, and to be on the other side of it. But yeah, it's just been, you know, a lot of changes this year. And then the whole, you know, pandemic thing definitely threw a bunch of things into the work. So yeah, let's talk about that because just for anybody listening in the future, we are currently speaking, it's mid-March 2020, really just in the past, I would say, 24 to 36 hours, a true panic has set in in America. They just canceled major sporting events, the NCAA tournament, the NBA canceled their season. I'm a big fan of Big East basketball. Not only did the Big East Conference cancel their tournament, they did it at halftime of a game. They told the players, don't even walk back out on the court. Like, this is real panic. I just took the subway here. It was nearly empty. The streets of New York are, you know, the streets of New York are never going to be empty, but they are uh, slowed down to a point where you notice it and it feels weird. And you are in China where I think a lot of people um, say that that everything started unfolding in regards to this uh, coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I am, you know, I I still have contact with people in New York, but um I would be curious to hear a little more about just like what the difference in the day-to-day there is cuz I lived in the city for 10 years. Um and apart from like Christmas morning and maybe some like rare days in August, you really don't, you know, see such a noticeable difference of like people out on the streets and yeah you know like you were saying like the subways what is that like i'll tell you it's it's funny like you say to me i always think of the day after thanksgiving that's the one day that you can guarantee people are either staying home or they're all out in the suburbs visiting family christmas morning i'm generally out of the city um but to me it's the day after thanksgiving is the one where i always notice it and that's what it feels like it feels like or like Memorial Day when everybody goes to the beach. Like, there's certain days in New York where traditionally things just clear out, and it feels like that. And on top of that, everyone who is in the city is, uh, you know, a lot of masks. I wore latex gloves on the way here. Um, yeah. And like, I went and stopped at a, a bakery on my way to the train station where I often get myself a treat on the way to Beautiful Anonymous. And it's a, it's a, it's popping off. This bakery is new in the neighborhood and it's popping off empty, two people in it. So yeah. it's got that vibe yeah. of like the city's kind of, everybody's taking it for real. But I want to hear about China because you, I mean, first of all, you picked a hell of a time to move. So what's the, what was it like getting <laughs> dropped into that? And what's the mood over there right now? Well, um, so getting dropped into it, it would be very different if I wasn't, if I didn't move here to be with my now wife, Mm -hmm. uh, she and I met in New York and, you know, we sort of got married without her parents' consent, which is a whole other story in the States, but we moved here. Um, and I mean, it's, uh, it it's hard to it's hard to explain like just how different it is and i would say it's it's most noticeably different in how like the touch points are very similar but everything else is different it's like you have you know you walk down the streets there are still people you know there's still businesses there's still signs there's still activity but culture is just so dramatically different from uh anything that i'm used to and like you know the lettering is different it's not like other places you go to where you have the same alphabet it's just like you know i know that that says something but i can't even comprehend what it is beyond like shapes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and that's just the general culture shock uh, yeah yeah i mean that's like um, 
that's sort of like experiential. And then, you know, people, it's like, it's just a completely different, um, you know, value system. And there's that uh, concept of like collectivism versus individualism, which, you know, I would say that's one of the largest differences between uh, thought and it permeates every part of daily life when it comes to to living in China. Like, I think that's, if I had to try to, you know, pick one thing that's the biggest difference, I think that would be it. And what what exactly, when you say collectivism is the mindset versus individualism, I I certainly understand individualism being an American. Everybody's trying to get ahead. Everybody's trying to make their cash. Everybody's trying to set up a life for themselves and their families. How does how does collectivism show up in China? Uh, I mean, this is like very reductive, but one of the ways that I noticed at first was uh, just you know being in cars and like driving around here. Um, you know, there are 1.4 billion people in China, and you would think that it would be like an absolute madhouse on the roads, but people are just like, you know, like everyone drives fast and it's very uh, densely populated, but like people let other people in when they need to merge and like people slow down when someone is going to cross the road. It's just like, uh, people are in, in my uh, observation, people seem to be, more accommodating and concerned with, you know, strangers and like the well-being of people that they have no connection to. So you get to China. It's already a place where, as you've described, the letters just look like shapes to you. You're overwhelmed. You've that you married into a family that had yet to uh, sign off on your presence of the family. So all that's already going on. And, ne- and then what happens when you get there and within weeks, a uh, deadly pandemic erupts? How does that affect things? Well, uh, it was, you know, it's interesting. It was gradual. So um, as you, you know, may have like read, the, the government's response here was, um, not, they didn't acknowledge it right away. So there was this divide sort of generationally, mostly between, you know, the older generation and the younger generation, uh, in terms of like, you know, well, the government hasn't said anything, so we're not really going to start to take this seriously yet. Um, you know, my wife, uh, was trying to get like her family to, you know, wear masks and, you know, hand sanitizer and all that good stuff. And they just sort of, you know, they listened, but they didn't really change any of their daily life. And like, as soon as the the government had a, you know, an opinion about it, it was like, where are the mask wearers, the hand sanitizer? Um, and when we got word of that, we were actually in her in my wife's mom's hometown village which is you know like probably two or three hundred families um it's relatively remote but it's not too small so we're you know we're living with her family like we're all in one house it's like 20 of us i don't know if you know about chinese new year but uh the tradition is that everyone basically returns home uh, for this one holiday. So it's her entire family and, you know, me. And uh, so we're, you know, we're getting this news and, um, and, you know, so it's, it, it, it wasn't all that alarming because, you know, the infection rate was climbing, but you sort of woke up and, you digested the fact that there was another, you know, 2000 people and you checked to see how close it was to you. And, you know, maybe you ordered some masks or whatever, but you just sort of went about your day. Um, but you know, when they instituted the, the travel bans and like, they really started to lock things down even outside of the big cities. It was just like, 
you know, whoa, like we woke up one morning and uh, some people had like made some barricades and, you know, it was just like, shit, it's real. And, um, you know, I got to tell you, if you ever really want to test your marriage, go be in, you know, go be in a confined space for three weeks with your wife's entire family. It's <laughs> quite a trip. And are you are you fluent in the language? No, no. <laughs> so no, not by not by any means. So all of us listening in America right now, depending, you know, I don't know if this will come out this week or or in the coming weeks. All of us are like, all right, we might need to buckle down right now. Only go to the store, get back to your house. Like that's the vibe. You spent this era of 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 the process effectively semi-quarantined, not just with your wife's entire family, the extended family because of the holiday, and you don't speak the language, you don't read the language, and you are, just to boil it down basics, I hope I'm not being too blunt, you're this white guy they don't really know, it sounds like, from what you've said. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's... yeah. Everyone's very sort of like, you know. I hate I mean, to laugh. Everyone is very nice. No, I mean it's you know, it, yeah. It it's is, like a movie. It funny. It, it's a movie stretch of your life. Yeah. It's a story you will tell forever. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. It's a, it's <laughs> uh, it's an experience. And uh, yeah, I mean like. You know, it, one thing I will say is that I think that um, you can pick up a lot from, you know, like situational awareness. I mean, it's definitely not a replacement for being able to communicate with people, but it's just, you know, it's interesting the things that you can pick up in group dynamics. And I feel like I've been trying to rely on that as heavily as I can just because you know, like my wife speaks English, but, uh, at the end of the day, like sometimes she doesn't want to translate for me. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's just like, it can be, it can be burdensome, burdensome. I've, uh, I've realized. So I try to, I try to do my best and, you know, I'm, I'm learning, but it's, it's slow. It's coming, but it's slow. <laughs> and is that so? Your wife's sometimes she's just like exhausted and like I just you, I got you got to give me a minute. I can't spend double mental energy. Or are there also times where it's like, oh, hey, yeah. we we've been right on top of each other and we're kind of annoying each other. So I'm just going to cut off your. We're cutting off the translation as a punishment, buddy. Is there that too? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> happens. That definitely happens for sure. Again, very sorry uh, to laugh, but wow, that is a specific way to ride out the coronavirus. That is an incredibly specific way. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, the other thing was, um, you know, so after, after we were able to leave the village, like my, I have a visa situation where like I can be here for 60 days at a time. Oh, wow. But uh, I have to leave the country and then it resets. So, you know, this whole thing happens and then like, uh, it, it was just like buy a ticket to, uh, Sri Lanka. My favorite place. They're not accepting people from China. Oh no. I was going to say. I've never been. Sri Lanka is the most incredible place I've ever been. Amazing place, amazing people. Everyone should go. I'm so sorry that you had to mix out. So you have to leave China every 60 days and there are massive travel bans and major portions of the world very, very paranoid about accepting people from China. Incredibly. And not only that, but like, you know, airlines are just, they're not even canceling flights. They're canceling routes. So it's like, you know, I'm, it's like days are going by and I'm like, you know, there's like five days until I have to leave. And I'm just like, okay, how, you know, uh, can I go to Cambodia? Like, and then the other thing that gets in your mind is like, okay, so I can go to Cambodia. What is Cambodia doing wrong? Like, why are they, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, why are they accepting people? (laughs) Right. So it's, 
it's just like it was this total, you know, this total mind fuck. So I ended up uh, being able to go to uh, Thailand, and you know, I flew through Hong Kong, and I'm sitting in the airport, and I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm just like in total fight or flight mode, like throughout this whole thing, like sheer panic is set in. I'm just like. I moved to China to be with my wife, like, so that we could start a life here together. I, uh, found a way to get out of the country so that, you know, it's not up to some like customs and border control agent that knows nothing about me to decide if I can do that or not. And I'm like sitting in the airport and I'm just like watching people go by and like, you know, everyone has a mask on. And it's like everyone except what I think are Americans. And they're, <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm like, do these people think that they can't get the virus? Like, is it that this sort of like white privilege has, uh, has like permeated, um, uh, American culture so much that they think that they're immune from it? Is it that they just didn't know? Is it that they can't buy a mask? Like, so I'm just like, you know, I, it was just a thought that I had. I don't know if I'm, you know, being like racist against white people because I've been in China for too long, but it, it was an interesting perspective, I thought. Well, um, it's, it's interesting too, because I, I feel like we've been, there's been some warnings floating around for weeks now and we have all kind of quietly just been like, oh, I wonder what that's about. But then you see in Italy, you see in China, you see places where it's really, you know, you know, you read stuff in Italy where I, I just saw, you know, a post going around from an, a nurse at a hospital in Italy who's like, we can't go home. We have to keep working. There's not enough beds. Your reports that, you know, people going, it's not that bad for if you're under 60. And it's like, yeah, but the hospitals get so jammed up and there's so, the, the equipment to treat it is not something that everybody has. And people are sleeping in beds in hallways and, and hospitals are figuring out who to prioritize to treat first and kind of doing it in a calculator way where it's like, well, it's happening and we are kind of ignoring it here. It really felt to me like, and and you not having been here, for some reason in America, it felt like once the NBA shut down their season, we all got serious about it. But it shouldn't mm -hmm. take, it shouldn't take shutting down a massively popular sports league. Like you are officially, you are officially behind the curve in your reaction, if that's what it takes. Like a major institution of entertainment has yeah. to entirely go away to get anybody to take it seriously. So I don't think you're wrong. I don't think it's racist to say that Americans have been beyond the curve. Some of that, I think, you know, is clearly on the fact that I think the government was trying to downplay it. And I'm not, I'm, I try to remain impartial and not, you know, not slam the government based on my own values. But when you hear quotes from the president saying, I have a hunch this is going to go away. I'm not talking about partisanship. Yeah. I'm not talking about anything else he's done, but that's clearly not a that's not a response that's going to get people to put masks on, and that's probably why there's Americans wandering through foreign airports taking it not as seriously as they should when your when your world leader is going, I got a hunch it's going to be fine. Well, there's a lot of people who are going to listen yeah. to that. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Now, now what I, Oh, go for it. Your reaction. No, 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 no. We uh, we don't need to get political. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the knowing chuckle of you about to say something. This <laughs> is something that's like, is this even? Is this the type of conversation that's even worth that? I did what I was going to say was, um, you mentioned at the top of the call. You phrased it in a way that I'm very interested in. Where it was something along the lines of seeing it explode in America the past few days when we're on. You you almost phrase it as if to say that being a month or so ahead of of the breakout, that you're maybe on the other side of the hysteria. And I'm very fascinated yeah. to hear about 
when did the breaking point hit? When, what were the things that made people kind of chill out? Because I feel like that'll be very eye-opening to me to kind of hear the steps in the process of here's how it's calmed down, here's where it's landed, here's what we know, living through the panic and being on the other side of that, if you're on the other side of it. I don't want to assume. And let's pause there. I want to hear that answer. I bet you two, too. We'll be right back. was our break. The break is over. Now let's get back. That'll be very eye-opening to me to kind of hear the steps in the process of here's how it's calmed down, here's where it's landed, here's what we know, living through the panic and being on the other side of that, if you're on the other side of it. I don't want to assume. Well, I think that um, I think that there are sort of like two ways of being on the other side of it. One is, um, you know, the more sort of data driven, like statistical stuff, you know, like the infections are falling, the people uh, who were infected are recovering, you know, that, that sort of thing. So from, from what I understand, that is the case in in China. Um, I would say the, the second part of that is just the, the mental component, like, <laughs> like, uh, and that fluctuates for me. It, it's, um, you know, it, I've, uh, I feel like I've, I've gotten to a good place about everything that's happening through the process of just burning out, which is how I often get to a sense of peace. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Becoming resigned. But, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's especially tricky. <laughs> it's especially tricky in uh, in a situation like this because there's such a fine line between like being prepared and being, uh, you know, just like you said, like being hysterical. You know, like I've you said that you you know wore gloves today, like. I have a box of surgical gloves in my, uh, in my closet right now. And I have, you know, like a bunch of masks and I have a bunch of hand sanitizer, but you know, the interesting thing was like, like I got all that stuff and none of it really made me feel safer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you I'm, know, like, I, I'm, when, uh, I, when I tell you that I am literally holding a Clorox wipe in my hand right now and have been for the entire duration of the skull, I'm not kidding. I've been, rubbing my hands with a Clorox wipe this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say that my hands have never been so clean. Oh, yeah. I think, um, I think that we can all say that. And, you know, I don't touch my face as much, which I guess, you know, if there's going to be a global health crisis, you've got to get something good out of it. Yeah, but, soft, supple hands. Um, Although, God bless the eczema sufferers right now. The, the people who can't have wet hands. My wife has some eczema. Like, I do all the dishes because it, she just can't get her hands wet and dry. And God God bless the eczema people. God bless them. <laughs> my best friend has eczema. Um, <laughs> she will like that. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, so like the 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 mental component is, and uh, all right. So I guess let's let me try to gather my thoughts here. So like, um, I would say that sort of like what you're feeling in New York with you know the the noticeably empty streets and you know just there's just like a tension in the air when a lot of people are in a place and, you know, maybe someone's like moving away from you on the train or, you know, someone's like, you can tell that they're going to shake your hand, but then they decide not to, you know, there's just like, it's just not quite right. Um, I would say that being on the other side of it is you, you start to, you know, notice that there's a, bit of a more relaxed mood, especially in, in crowded public places. Um, 
and, you know, just, uh, the, the, sen- the sense of like freedom, like that's the other thing. Like we, you know, when I was with, um, my wife's family, like we were forbidden to leave. Like, you know, I was, we were in the house for three weeks. So I would say that I have nothing but, um, uh, gratitude for <laughs> the ability to like make choices on a day-to-day basis, which, you know, was also restored, um, here when, uh, when things got a little bit better. So, you know, that definitely won't be the same there, but so much of that is, is in your head too. Even if it, you know, you don't have some regime uh, prohibiting you from leaving a house, like fear can do that too. So I would say, <laughs> what, a, know, going, what a weird life getting, you've chosen to live lately. You have to think about, oh, <laughs> between fear and the regime, it was really uh, kind of stifled, like stifling there for a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the uh, man, I don't even, I don't know how. Uh, so I, I, I had to go to Thailand when I was in Thailand. And I think that that's when it actually hit me, like the, the magnitude and just, you know, how crazy it was, was when I left and then i realized that i was going back (laughs) right right and uh and that it was like incredibly it was just as difficult to get back as it as it was to leave so you know i i was i guess the thing that i'm happy about with all this is that it makes me really confident in the decisions that i've made you know like some pretty big life decisions about, you know, marriage and my commitment to this person and our life together and the future. And I just feel like if there was any test, uh, towards my commitment, you know, I would have been on the first, I would have been on the first flight to New York from, from Thailand. Right. If this love was not real. So when you're, you're sitting on that plane and they give the announcements, all right, everybody buckle up, everybody, uh, Make sure your uh, seat backs forward and trade tables upright in front of you. Turn on your electronics. You're just sitting there going, the things I do for love, the things I do for love, flying back into the heart of a pandemic. Yeah. Well, I mean, it honestly felt safer leaving Thailand than it did. Um, uh, I, I wasn't afraid to go back to China. I was honestly afraid to be in Thailand because no one seemed to be concerned about it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's very, none of it made any sense. It was just very, but I think, so a couple of things, I think the reason normally I would be quite, um, nervous to talk with you, but I, uh, listen to the show on a weekly basis and I got to say the headspace that I was in and I have been in for the past month it totally makes sense that someone who I listen to on the computer, I am now talking to <laughs> on the phone, like <laughs> at midnight. Like it just, there's no questions there. It's just like, of course, of course, you know? And, um, Oh, one funny thing when, when I was on the plane coming back, uh, to China, you know, when they do like the safety routine in the aisle, mm-hmm. The, the flight attendants. Yeah. So they, um, when when you fly, everyone wears masks, including the flight attendants. So when they did the the oxygen mask demo, they they had to put the oxygen mask demo over their other mask. Wow! Wow! What a weird movie moment. So is there is there a part of you being on the show right now where you said you'd normally be nervous? I'm glad you're not. Um, is there a part? I would have to imagine more than any other caller in the history of the show. There's a party that's like, oh, I'm excited to be on the show. I listen to, but also I'm excited to speak for an hour straight in a language that I fully understand. Is there some element of that? Yeah. 
Yeah, my wife uh, made that comment to me when I told her. She was like, are you happy to be talking to someone other than me for an hour? That's hilarious. Happy to provide the service. So I want to ask a couple things because, you know, we're a half hour in. Talked a lot about the virus. I'm glad to hear that even as people are staying safe. It sounds to me like what you said, just to sum it up. Even in China, people are still being smart, staying safe, being really mindful. But you can walk around and people aren't living in fear like it's like we're in 28 days later or something like that. Like it's it's normalizing to a degree, which is good to hear. I do want to hear about, because a couple of things come to mind. One. I think American listeners would agree that uh, China seems like not just a different place from America, but you hear about the regime, you hear about a lot of authoritarianism. There's a wariness, I think, in regards to China uh, a little bit. It's fair to say. Sometimes that turns into like xenophobia or racism, which is not okay, not okay. But it, it's it's a fact. And then on top of it, the popular myth is that when people who aren't from America get a chance to come to America, that they jump at the chance. You've gone in the opposite direction. Um, I would love to hear how that decision was made. Mm. Uh, well... I mean, what I can say is that it wouldn't, I would never have made this decision um, to come alone. Uh, I've, I've definitely had um, plans to move to other countries before, but China was not one of them, um, you know, for all the reasons that you listed. But I think, I think that, um, one like one of the best things about my wife is that she you know she she loves her country and it's you know it's not in a way that um uh downplays or avoids or doesn't acknowledge you know the problems that are here but she is really in love with this place and the culture and uh, the people and, you know, I've been fortunate enough to basically have been, you know, given an introduction to a place that I know nothing about through her eyes. So, you know, it, it's a very different experience from, you know, it's like, uh, if, if a tourist goes to New York and they go to the Times Square and they go to the Statue of Liberty and, you know, it's the difference between that. And, uh, you know, someone going to New York for the first time with a friend who's lived there for a while. It's just a completely different perspective. You're like, come to my favorite dive bar in Brooklyn. It's a different thing. Exactly. Than like, hey, I'm going to go hang out at Ground Zero, the site of the worst thing ever. And maybe we'll buy some some novelty (laughs) t-shirts. Buy some novelty t-shirts from some guy near Ground Zero. Versus like, hey, do you want to yeah. go? You want to go into Queens to this uh, restaurant that is uh, legendary, but that you'd never hear about if you were just here for a week. Otherwise, yep, yep. So you're there. Yep. That's cool. So you get out there, following love. Your wife has a true devotion and love of her her home country, her hometown. I get that. Do you anticipate that you're going to spend the rest of your life there? That is the plan. Um, <laughs> you sound super enthused. I, I mean, I, well, I so I don't have any problem with it. My 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 thing is that um, I just I just think that you like you know you have to have a backup plan. So you know all the stuff about um, you know the uh, uh, mass surveillance you know all those we're on a phone call so i'm not going to list all of them but so that's real there's things things you can't um, there's things that you're like i should just maybe clam up on certain things in case i'm being listened to that's a real concern day to day 
Or you can't yeah. even answer that. Yeah. We should just move on. Wow. Okay. I'll shut up. I mean, it, it's an abundance of caution, but, you know, I am a guest in their country. So, and I've seen some things that, you know, make me make those decisions. I, I, I wish you could share those specifics, but it sounds like the exact thing you shouldn't talk about. So we'll just move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, that, that is, <laughs> is the plan. Um, you know, she, uh, her family is here and, um, you know, she, she wants to be here with and, and for them. So, um, that's the plan. I, I, my feeling is, is that, you know, what happens if, um, something happens. So if nothing happens, then yeah, we'll, we'll be here for a while. And if it does, then, you know, we might be in Thailand or something for a bit, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the plan was to be together and to be with her. So wherever that is, it's, it's fine by me. How did you, uh, how did you and your wife meet and hit it off to this point where you, I mean, this, this is a love that's made you, made you leave your old life behind and go to the other side of the world. How did, what's that love story? Excuse me. If we could edit you know, out my, we could just mark uh, the time code and edit out my burp, my barely audible burp. <laughs> Anita's saying you can't hear my burp, but let's still mark the time code. 23 minutes and 20 seconds. Just check on it. Okay, anyway, what's the love story? Man, I, I mean, it's like anything else. It, it just, um, it started with like, you know, a, a decision. I, I usually went to this one uh, bar and I decided that I was sick of going there. So I went uh, to a tea house instead. And, you know, she, she was working there and, in, it, you know, it sounds so cliche, but like instantly I was just like, okay, like there's something about this person. I want to be around this person. Uh, you know, so I went there again with a friend and, you know, it's just to kind of, <laughs> I didn't say anything to him, but I just kind of wanted to, uh, uh, get his perspective on it. And, you know, we left and I said to him, I was just like, you know, I, I want more of that in my life. And he was like, yeah, she's great. Um, you know, I, she's the first and only person that I've asked for their number. Um, <laughs> she was actually engaged at the time. Whoa. Uh, That's, uh, that's wild. There's a story there. We're going to hear that story and many more when we get back. And the pauses have concluded from here on out. It's just conversation till the end. Let's go. She's the first and only person that I've asked for their number. Um... (laughs) She was actually engaged at the time, Whoa. Uh, which I found out as we were on what I thought was our first date, which was a walk from the East Village to the High Line. Um, but, you know, something about the way that she talked about it and about him made me think that, you know, maybe... It was more of uh, like societal pressures and stuff like that that was, um, you know, leading them towards getting married. Uh, and had, yeah, that was, had her parents approved I, of that guy already? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, he was wealthy and he was Chinese, so... So this is a forbidden love. Yeah. We're talking about a forbidden love right here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's blossomed into a 
begrudgingly accepted love, but it was definitely started. A begrudgingly accepted love. The begrudgingly accepted love, the three words that that describe every great love story. Begrudgingly accepted love. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So then she feels this pull as well. This is like a love at first sight thing. She realizes she's in over her head on this other situation and then she gets out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, she told me that, you know, that before we had met, she had, you know, booked a trip to go visit him. And, you know, she was asking me what to do. And I just said, listen, like, I, you know, I can't make that decision for you. I definitely would like it to go one way. But, you know, that's a decision you have to make. So when she... Uh, told me that she decided not to go. I was just like, all right, this, you know, this is it. This is like a real thing now. So you're saying like, listen, we both know it's a choice for you to make. And in your head, you're like, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And then she said, I'm not going. And you're like, woohoo. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. Yeah. But like, I, you know, I, I just, yeah, that was hard. I mean, I, I, I would have loved to, I've just had bad experiences with like, you know, making these big gestures and then not being able to follow through with them. So like, I wasn't about to tell her to leave her fiance. You know what I mean? Like, No way. You can't do that. It's too much. It's too much pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, why don't you abandon your, uh, abandon the fiance in your, in your, home country that your family has already given a thumbs up to to come marry me, a guy you met in a random tea house instead? Yeah, I can see why you didn't want to be yeah, overzealous exactly. on that. You got to be respectful on that. Now, had you, did you ask for her number at the end of that first experience there? Or were you like, ah, you know what? I think I really like tea more than I knew. And you're going back to the tea house from time to time. Oh man, I can tell you that I found out that if you uh, don't drink water and you drink green tea, you get incredible migraines. I was there like every day, Chris. <laughs> I was there every day for a week. So she knew. She's like, "All right, this this guy's either pretty smitten, or I might have a stalker on my hands." Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to be careful about how I describe it because I feel, man, how can you be a man and not be creepy? You know, like great question. I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> I will tell you that. I don't I, think I was creepy. But I will tell cool. you that Anita, aka the new Harry Nelson, I just looked through the glass and as you said, how can you be a man and not be creepy? She laughed in a way that denoted like a full body joy that that denotes the truth. <laughs> I think you're right. Every guy. I feel like one of the basic things of being a good guy is just doing an just doing a lot of safety checks along the way to make sure you're not being uh, too much of a creep. I think that that's just a basic thing that we should all commit to in 2020. It's like, eh, if you're hitting on a girl, there's going to be some level of that that either goes well or doesn't. And just make sure if it doesn't, that you're not being creepier than you have to as you crash and burn. When you crash and burn, there's going to be some level to which you feel like a creep. So let's minimize that as much as possible. I don't think that's too much. People think about, oh, this Me Too PC culture. It's like, you know what? If we can just land in the middle, the pendulum's swinging to the extremes right now. If we can just land in the middle where someone, where guys just go, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to not be too creepy if this doesn't go my way. I think that that, what a lovely middle ground to land in if we can just get there as a society. Yeah. Yeah. But it worked out. It worked out. So you ask her out. She goes, well, it I've been, did. She, you go, can I get the digits? She goes, I've been waiting for you to ask. I know nobody likes green tea this much. Well, I think that she does. And, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, I mean, she, she, I don't think, I think that she was surprised that, that I asked for her number. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like, Okay, so we're in the East Village. We're on uh, 10th Street. Uh, she gets off work. I'm like, okay, it's uh, 4.45. Like, it's going to take an hour to walk to the west side. It's going to be great. 
we're going to get to the High Line. It's going to be sunset. You know, maybe we'll stop and get a piece of cake or something. I'm just, you know, I'm happy about this. I'm like, this is fantastic. So we walk uh, there. You know, we get there. The sun's going down. We're up on the High Line. And that's when she's like, I think that you should know <laughs> that uh, I am seeing someone. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's like fine. So in my head, I'm like, okay, so, you know, maybe she must just be being nice and this is not a date. Like, maybe we can be friends. And then, uh, you know, it comes out later that they're engaged. So, you know, I'm just, I don't know though, Chris, like something, something like told me, like, I'm not one of those guys who's like, you know, I, I'm not going to see anything for what it isn't. Like, I'm not going to try to, you know, uh, wedge my way into someone's life who uh, has a different idea about how they want to live. But there was something about the way that she talked about him that just had this distance and um, hesitation that made me think, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's nothing, but I'm going to stick around a little while longer to see where this goes. Yeah. As you, as you're saying it of like, you're not the type of person to, to play those games. I, I can just say just based on your incredibly measured tone of voice for the past 47 minutes, you're clearly not someone who flies off the handle emotionally too often. I, I think that's safe to say you're very, Clearly, chill guy who our whole conversation, you've been talking like this as you tell me about having to fly to Thailand to stay in a country that has a pandemic. So you're clearly not someone who's like, I'm just going to chase this. I'm just going to lose my mind and chase this. Like, yeah. it's, Although maybe, who knows? Who knows? Maybe no, every once me. in a while you fly, <laughs> fly off the handle in, in a way that would be, uh, I don't know, who knows? But doesn't you don't strike me as the type. Well, thank you. <laughs> even that, even that, even before you made me laugh, I, I stifled. There was one, I forget what I said. I said something that I felt like was pretty impactful or pretty tense. And you just went, hmm, that was your reaction. And it made me smile. I, I don't do well with compliments, but um, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> So that's great. So then you're sensing she's already been having some misgivings. She's already feeling in over her head, the situation back home. I'm going to be respectful, keep distance from that, while also letting her know that I'd love to be friends. And therefore, if she wants to open that door, I'm available and open to it. That's the logical way to handle this. Yeah, yeah. And how long is it? Uh, how long is it until she says, you know what? Something special is happening here. I got to go for it. I think it was, you know, it was like a month. It wasn't, it wasn't super long. Um, and things kind of just took off from then. Like, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time together, really got to know each other, you know, as much as you can in that um, period of time. Like how... <laughs> Uh, how vulnerable you're really willing to be in the first three months. But, um, yeah. And then, you know, she, she, uh, dropped it that her visa, you know, was expiring and she had to move back. So, you know, that, uh, that was not, <laughs> that was not great. I mean, and I kind of feel bad for saying this, but you know, I've, I've been in relationships for, for three months before and I haven't, you know, there's like, if it were to, if someone were to say to me, like, I have to go back to like my country, it'd be like, all right, like it was nice knowing you, you know, we had a really good time together. Like, you know, uh, enjoy the rest of your life. But yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the same here. And, um, you know, I took a couple trips out here, 
but for for a long time, like, so we're, you know, we're married. We've been married for a year. We've known each other for two years. But she and I have spent more time together apart than together together. Oh, wow. So, you know, part of, like, part of moving here was, uh, part of the dynamic of moving here was, like, you know, the big question of, sure, we love each other, but, like, can we stand to, like, live with each other? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, love and and living with someone are two very different things. And, um, you know, we're still sort of feeling our way through that. But, um, you know, it's it just, man, it's, I don't know. Life is wild. Yeah. And there's people listening, like, as the story you're telling, I'm like, she has to go home and we've only been dating a year. And and some people after three months, I'd just say, ah, we had fun, but I can, and you know, again, the cliche that we assume is like, oh, so, and then you, so you got married for citizenship. Cause you hear about that sometimes people going, we kind of had a feeling we were going to get married anyway. So we just bumped it up and got it done. But no, you moved to China. This was not that. You moved to yeah. China. <laughs> you what are you, was your yeah. whole, was your family and friends like what are you doing? What do you do? What are you talking about? Do you hear again? And I want to be clear. There's there's a number of things I would love to ask you about, but you mentioned that that just certain th- places we can't go. There's a number of things I'm respectfully saying I'm not going to I'm not going to put you in a position to have to even react at all, but we all know there's stories about China that are pretty intense. You went, your family and friends must have been like, what? You're the most logical person we know. What? Yeah, yeah, this was very off-brand for me. (laughs) Yeah, you don't say. You don't say. Couldn't have figured that out. Yeah. (laughs) What do they say? What is your family, what are your family and friends saying when you're like, so I'm out. I got married and I'm uh, moving to a place that's the opposite of I mean... You know, to be honest, like, I'm sure that everyone had uh, the reaction, the internal reaction that you're having, but they did a pretty good job at not expressing that to me. Um, you know, I, I, they were nothing but supportive. They were just like, you know, uh, I get it. Like, this is what you have to do. Like, you know, even even like the, the company that I work for, um, you know, I work remote anyways, but they were just like, listen, uh, I know it's 12 hours time difference, but like, we'll make it work. So you have the same job. So, yeah, yeah. So you kept, so you just got to be up all night on the yeah. computer? Like, all right, guys, uh, if we could just get it. If you could get this done by end of business day, that would be great. And now please let me go to sleep because it's 4.15 a.m. You have to sometimes uh, be up for conference calls in the middle of the night. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I don't know what time it is in New York. It's probably what like twelve, twelve fifteen. Yeah, it's twelve fifteen p.m. Yeah, so it's it's twelve a.m. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it gets, you're it on gets the little... other side of the world, telecommuting. Yeah. Oh my, if there is yeah, ever, yeah, yeah. if there has ever been a real life story, this is not a Disney, uh, Disney princess movie. If there's ever been a real life test of the, the validity of true love, your story is it, huh? Man, that's a lot, that's a lot of pressure. I hope so. I would, I would hope so. Yeah. You know? No pressure at like, all, but what you're living through will be the ultimate <laughs> proof of if love is real. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in all seriousness, though, like, yeah, it, it definitely, I, I, I didn't have a lot of doubts yeah. um, before, but now I don't really have any, you know, I, I would, I would do anything for her. I would. Ah, that's and I amazing. That. That's amazing. What a cool thing to be able to say. And you know what? If my wife turned to me one day and said, I don't know why this is my instinct, but I need to live on the other side of the world. I'd say, cool, let's go. If you really need to go, I'm not going to stay here. 
and be there with you. Yeah. And then I go, I guess I got to, I guess I got to, uh, learn a number of dialects of a language that strikes me as very complicated so I can hopefully tell some jokes and make some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would, yeah, that would be uh, an interesting challenge. Yeah. You can't that, tell that's a comedian. the other thing about, well, no, you can't. Yeah. But like you how, as a comedian. You know, different, we don't have a lot of time left, but yeah. How do you make other cultures laugh? Like what other cultures find funny? Well, I'll tell you what, there's a comedian, good guy, real good guy named Des Bishop, and he's uh, he's a New Yorker, but he he became really well-known in Ireland. He's had an interesting life. He went and lived in Ireland when he was a teen, I think. He's a friend of mine. I don't know him the best, but we've, we've gotten to know each other, and he's very popular in Ireland, and he has a good career in the States, but he also, uh, I believe, is married, right? Dating? No, I think married to... Uh, to a Chinese woman and he is fluent now and he's he's like it's obviously one of the biggest markets in the world and there aren't many there aren't many westerners who can go in there and tell jokes and I've pulled it off so he goes and gets gigs in China it's wild good on him good good for him seriously yeah maybe that's what I need to do is learn Mandarin and Cantonese crack open yeah. yeah, become like the clown. Yeah, you gotta. Right? They'll be like, here's this neurotic American. I'll go there and I'll be like the Mr. Bean of China. I'll be like the the, the uh, caricature of every American they know. I'll go over there and I'll like eat McDonald's on stage and burp a lot and uh, wave constantly. Oh, no, I won't wave a flag because that might get me killed, I would imagine. But I'll become like the buffoonish American that they can laugh at and I'll make so much money i bet i would i bet that would clean up i uh, mm. so i know we don't have a lot of time left but three minutes uh i I know i've been a bit cagey about talking about certain things but i would (laughs) i would like to just make the distinction between chinese people and the chinese government of course Um, of course like my experience my experience is the Chinese, like Chinese people that uh, they've been, you know, nothing but incredibly kind. And I'm sure, uh, incredibly tolerant of, you know, the variety of humiliations that I put myself through on a day to day basis. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, you know, the, the people in power are a different story. So, yeah. Well, and you know what's fascinating about that? I feel like there's large swaths of, Amer- you know, America clearly, more than ever, you're the whole thing, red and blue. And I think there's a lot of people who go, the way the way the government's presenting our country on a world stage right now is is not how we feel. And they say that mm. the Americans Chinese are so at odds with each other, but the way you just described it, maybe the actual people on the ground in those two countries have more in common than anything else. Cause maybe it's further proof that humans are humans and governments don't always represent the actual realities of how those people feel. And maybe, uh, maybe average, average people from those two places, if they sat down and, got a beer together or in my case a ginger ale started speaking freely maybe they'd actually find out that they have more in common than people from some other places yeah yeah i i i think that 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 would be true um and you know there's a lot of common commonalities as well like china is so diverse uh i think you know before i moved here i just thought that you know it was one sort of homogenous uh culture but it's there's more diversity here than there is in america just because there's so much more you know people like one out of every seven people in the world is chinese wow are there america towns like new york has i think like four or five different china towns (laughs) are there america towns in china I mean, there are McDonald's. I think that's probably the closest that you'll get. Yeah. Yeah. 
do you eat McDonald's? I haven't eaten McDonald's in years, but I think if I lived in China, I'd I'd go get some fries just to feel a taste of home. Uh, no, I I have not, but I would also have. <laughs> I would feel I would feel a certain way about struggling to order a Big Mac. Indeed, indeed. Now we've run out of time, and uh, I want to thank you. Eye opening. What a, I feel like the first half of this call was a public service announcement for all of us in the world. <laughs> and the second half was an amazing story of true love. And uh, final question. The food you're eating in China, does it make you, is American Chinese food fake? Is that not real Chinese food? Uh, American Chinese food is by and large disgusting and not representative of Chinese food in the least bit. Gotta come here. Come here just for the food. Well, all I'm sure that when the pandemic cloud lifts, this call will lead to a uh, flocking of Americans to come eat Chinese food in China. Thank you so much for talking. We could talk forever. Good luck to you. Get some sleep. Love is real. Love is everywhere. And uh, let's everybody stay healthy and stay safe. Good stuff, man. It was good talking to you. You too. Happy to uh, happy to happy to give you an hour of English all in a row. Um, thanks so much. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Take care, man. You too. Caller, thank you so much. Thanks for verifying right at the tail end that Chinese food in America, that's just American food. Thanks for reminding us that. And thanks for reminding us that love is real. And thanks for reminding us that things are not going to be this crazy forever. Thanks to Jared O'Connell and Anita Flores in the booth. Thanks to Shellshad for the music. I do have stand-up dates on my website right now, although I don't know that people are clamoring to buy tickets for public gatherings. ChrisGeth.com if you want to put your life on the line and, and see some stand-up. Hey, if you like this show, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. really helps when you do. And remember, the entire Beautiful Anonymous back catalog, it's out there on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash stories for a free month and more details. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, me and a lady in London who self-quarantined chit-chat for an hour, mostly because she was bored. Not trying to make light of something very scary, but when it's like, hey, you can't really go out in social situations right now and you should probably stay home, there is a part of me going, yeah, no problem. (laughs) Well, I've actually been off sick. As you can probably tell from my voice, I'm not sounding too curly. I have had a dry cough, and our NHS guidelines are that if you have a dry repetitive cough, that you just stay away for seven days. So I'm actually in self-isolation at the moment. You are? Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. Are you freaked out? Do you know what? I'm not freaked out about myself. I'm freaked out about... So my mum has a lot of underlying health issues, and she's... She'll not thank me for saying this, but she's on the wrong side of 65. And so I'm really concerned for her. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.